Phase One from Speech Acts Media. It's a show where artists share the music that made them make music. Each guest will share 10 songs, some combination of their own music and the songs that influenced them, plus one more to end the show, which we'll play with no further comment. I'm Brian Lee, and today's guest is Indy. Indy is a composer and producer who combines dense, multi-layered compositions with ethereal vocals that open a window into another world. Her debut album, Precipice, was released on 2670 Records and Flying Nun Records in 2018 with a new album on the way. Indy, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> good, good to have you on the show today. Good to be here. So I've had a look at your list, and prior to recording, you mentioned that you have a pretty strong idea and a story about every single one of those songs. Yeah, I'm just essentially a huge fan of all of these artists and especially all the songs. So like most, a lot of them are from like uh, my childhood, definitely had strong influence on me in that way. Um, So yeah, I just just love them all. (laughs) All right, well, let's get right into it then. The first song is by Aphex Twin. It's called Jinwei Tech. And that was Jin Wei Tech. This show is full of songs that I don't know how to pronounce the names of. No, no, one has, no one has pointed it out to me yet that I've butchered the pronunciation of something, but it's, but it's going to happen eventually. And so uh, yeah, let's hope I, I was close on that one. Uh, anyway. I think most Aphex Twin songs are like impossible to pronounce or like even are not even real words. Like there's right. some symbols going on. Right. I mean, this, this particular album has some songs that uh, like 
<laughs> I think it's either a made-up language or code. Okay, yeah. so I have an anecdote about this one. Also, you mentioned you thought it was a piano song, but yeah. I don't... Sorry, I just got way closer on the mic. <laughs> it's fine. But I, I, I don't know if it is, or is it like maybe prepared piano mm-hmm. where they've like done, treated the felt yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so this song was the first Aphex song I heard. Um, I... Do you know the Sofia Coppola film Marie Antoinette? Mm-hmm. Um, she did um, just visually and like um, sonically mm-hmm. stunning um, work. It super influenced my like ex- aesthetic sensibilities. Um, I think I watched it when it came out. I guess I don't know how old I would have been then. I was probably like early teens or mm-hmm. something. Um, but there's this scene where um, Marie Antoinette's like walking around like. Uh, the Versailles Palace for the first time mm-hmm. and just everything's so ornate and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a, a criticism of it but also it's just it's just so lush like just be like I I have so many feelings but <laughs> um but this song comes on and it just perfectly sort of describes this like fragility of the state of that sort of class of like a very like opulence Mm -hmm. like very rich um class of people and the sort of way in which they lived and um i only sort of learned that it was hbx twin when i think my brother bought me the soundtrack um of the film on cd and it was the only thing i listened to for so Um, long and it makes so much sense because it's got like songs from like the cure and like just everything it's just it's all contemporary music it's a lot of it is contemporary music but there's some like beautiful um like i don't know who they're by but there's beautiful like old harpsichord classical pieces on it as well and i actually recently started learning some of them and they're just also really beautiful i think it i also think that um actually my partner he's a sound engineer and he was listening to this song for like the first time recently even though he's a huge Aphex Twin fan um he hadn't really heard this song before and he um was he thought it was me he thought it was one of my songs um because of the way that I write um my the my melodies and everything and the structure of the way I especially write my piano pieces is really similar to sort of i mean i don't want to like be like i'm as good as apex twin <laughs> no but, but that's like, that's that's a big compliment for yeah. someone who really is familiar with apex twin's work already yes exactly yeah. i was like super excited <laughs> but also i completely i was I, I sort of taught myself a bit of this track um recently on piano i was like this is how i would write a song right, right. so for me this is like quintessential yeah me but also like we just must have similar tastes in terms of tonality yeah when you say that that's the way that you would have written the song what do you mean specifically um it's just this sort of thing that he does with um it's the way the tonal like the harmonies that he structures within and it's really simple you know he doesn't work with like lots of chords and he's not very jazzy um and i feel similar like i think a lot of his stuff is like fourths and fifths and and that's like a um sort of marker of um a kind of older era of music like um more sort of ancient sounding almost like it's from a different time or a different world um i don't know if that helps no (laughs) i I, I think that makes sense yeah Yeah. all right let's move on to track two this is a track called waking the witch it's by kate bush i love it (laughs) Oh, <laughs> 
You must wake up. Wake up. Wake up, man. Wake up, child. Pay attention. Come on. Wake up. Wake up, love. So that was Waking the Witch by Kate Bush. It's from Hounds of Love. And we were just talking during during the listening part of the song that the first half of this album is all of these Kate Bushy sort of pop songs that you might yeah. recognize with her vocals. And the second half of the album is this concept journey yeah. where it's supposed to be an imagination of being lost at sea and drowning. And... Um, yeah, you can uh, you can tell us more. You're the, the expert. The wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were saying how it's kind of like a movie, or like kind of like a theatrical opera or something. She really takes you on a journey. Um, my first introduction to her more experimental work um, was to the album The Dreaming. Yes. Um, my friend is like the biggest Kate Bush fan, okay. and she was like, "You haven't heard The Dreaming? <laughs> like, what are you even alive yeah. for?" Yeah. And she <laughs> played, she played it for me, and it like blew my mind. Mm. I mean, I was just saying before, like, I just the production sort of techniques that she used um in in the dreaming and also hounds of love especially the ninth wave are just so revolutionary for the time and just so just her sample use and the way that she um processed her voice like especially in the waking of the witch yeah. that one for me was like a a huge one because i i could hear her like she's like chopping it up and chopping yeah, yeah. it up and then also bringing in all these like other sort of vocal elements with the sort of like almost like a metal kind of like yeah the f- like yeah. horror movie like, voice it's, it's yeah. like and feels like you're in a 
background. Ho- yeah, it feels like you're in a horror movie. Like you, it's so visceral. And yeah. I think like a successful song will just like transport you there. It just like makes you, it like forces you to be in yeah. that place. And it's scary as fuck. It's like <laughs> it's doing its job well. You know? I mean, the song is about waking the witch. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my god, I just I just realized. Am I allowed to swear on here? Of course. Okay, cool. <laughs> Didn't know. This isn't being aired on PBS yeah. or something. It's a family yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I am big Kate Bush fan. Yeah. I yeah. I know that you were saying how she's more recognized for her pop, like big vocal melodies. When and most stuff. casual listeners mm. think of Kate Bush, they'll obviously think Wuthering Heights, but they'll also just think of her unique singing voice and her, and her vocal delivery. I just love that but you there's way more than that. Casual listeners of Kate Bush, as though <laughs> anyone who listens to Kate Bush is like a casual, no, they're, I mean, cool, chill listener. <laughs> no, I want, because I think that she is a big enough name in, you know, from 70s mm, and 80s pop mm, music true. that people yeah. who just sort of know music of that era will also think, oh yeah, I know Kate Bush. She yeah. sang that one song she has that one high-pitched voice <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it's um, way more than that yeah. yeah i i i think like um she couldn't have created a lot of the pop bangers that were on um hounds of love which i think is considered like her most yeah like most celebrated cons- album. yeah yeah uh she could have made that without having to first go through like the experimental phase of the dreaming and i just um I really just think like she did so much for music. Like she really carved out a path um, yeah. as a as a woman producer, but also as a vocalist. I think she gave people permission to be weird. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> know that, that sounds so cliche, but well, you, not weird in like a pretentious way, but like very truly like uh, putting communicating the the sort of tone and like emotions of the track and right. the message of the track above like inhibitions or being like embarrassed to sing in a certain way right and this was happening when she you know her music was on emi she was on a major Mm. label Mm. and she had license to go in these uh, left Mm. field directions and i know that multiple generations of artists have cited kate bush as an influence and i always thought that was just about her just about her musicality but it was also about her um presence as a cultural figure and yes yeah yeah she's iconic yeah as a producer as she well as a you know everything yeah writer and performer all right should we listen to one of your songs it's awful pitting me against kate <laughs> just put me against avix twin kate bush <laughs> <laughs> so sad okay this song this song is called abyss Thank you. 
That was a song called Abyss, and you mentioned that it's one of your older tracks. Super old, like maybe even would be in like the first 10 songs I wrote, maybe. The first 10 songs you wrote and finished or the first 10, 10 songs you even attempted? Oh, I mean, I used to like write classical music on the piano before yeah. I even sang, so I mean. Right. But like the first like song songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, if, for those at home, I used quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, that, that one um, was, I was at school and I was um, using, first learning to use Logic Pro, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I was obsessive, like any lunch break, any free time I had, I was spent in the music room using yeah. Logic Pro. I was very lucky to have those resources. Yeah. Um, and I, it was like this era of um, kind of creation when bedroom production was only just starting to become a thing. Right. And like just everyone was uploading everything they made. Yeah. On, and like SoundCloud wasn't like as like big as it is now. Like it had only just, like I got interviewed like once because I had like a, like quite a big SoundCloud following just because I was like one of the few people who was like uploading yeah, yeah, yeah. at the, the time. And someone was like, oh, so tell us about this newfangled thing called SoundCloud. Right. Like, <laughs> I sound so old, but like really SoundCloud is only just sort of, I mean, in the last, like from the time I started writing music to now, it's right. like become a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh, it's like Facebook, but for music. <laughs> yeah, but in the beginning, in yeah. whatever, 2007 or something, yeah. 2006. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was just uploading everything, not really quality control going on there. <laughs> but like it was so exciting for me, I think at the time, to have like a, a way of just like sharing it. As, it was just like yeah. brain vomit. And I'm like... So jealous of myself back then like I'm jealous of like my attitude towards music back then was like it wasn't like oh and then you gotta get the press shots and then you gotta have like five more singles and right. you gotta like do it right you know have an album cycle right instead it was just like oh, I made a thing here yeah, have it in world you know do you do you <laughs> feel like what because I, I see a lot of young musicians and producers today though who still have that approach even though mm-hmm. SoundCloud and Spotify have all matured well, I think it's, it's because they it's because oh, they're okay. matured, you know. Yeah. I think it's like way more because now everyone's like, Oh, you can get famous from that. Like right. it's immediately like, Oh yeah, we'll just do this like really, really right the first time. Right. And also like now labels won't sign you a lot of the time unless you have a huge social media following. Yeah. Um Do you wanna move on to the next um, song? Yeah. Uh yeah, I think so. I just wanna say another thing yes. about Abyss. Yes. Is that um I just didn't sing in the second half of that song. I just didn't do it. <laughs> I'm just kind of amazed at myself for being like, yes, I won't put a verse here. Or like, I'll just make it instrumental. You just left the vocal booth like... I kind of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. imagine the rest of the vocals in your head. Yeah, like, I, but I'm like also like... I love that I was like that. Like right. I was just so like there were no rules. I mean, there's no rules now, but like I, I just want to get back to that. Right. So it is really... Yeah. I just want to think like that again. Yeah. I think it is a little bit of an age specific thing, I guess was, was trying to, without, that's what I was trying to get at where you have the, 
not just, it's not like you're reckless, but you just think mm. this is exactly what I think is good and how yeah. I would do things. Yeah. So that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And the rest of the world can adapt to me. Yeah. 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 Oh, and it's also worth not- noticing. Ugh. It's also <laughs> worth noting that I had not heard like Björk or like right. Kate Bush really like no Björk yeah. at this point. So let us bear that in mind for the next song because right. it's crazy. I was, I just have really similar taste. <laughs> Perfect segue. The next song <laughs> is Pagan Poetry by Bjork.
him, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. And then I love it. Him, I when they're like, she loves, 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 Play mm-hmm. with a Bechai, where like the so it's a Dionysus right. play about the Greek god Dionysus. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and Bechai with the followers, mm-hmm. and they're the, they're like kind of narrating it through yeah. like their voices. Yeah. Like oh, and, you know, and I I feel like that's happening here. You know, it's like right. a, a narrational opera. Sort of like I love it. I, I mean, love how there's like the main character the who's like, I'm feeling all these feelings, and they're like, she's feeling all these feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Confirmation. Yeah. I mean, the whole there's like a whole group of people. The whole Bjork experience you. is theatrical. Um, yeah. Uh, I need to regroup. It's, <laughs> it's an experience. I love this album. Huh. Yeah. I love, actually, I love all of her albums. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm one of the, the, the deep, deep fans. Right. Which is funny because I didn't come to her until later, kind of, than a lot of people, I think, do. Right. As I said before. You had to be introduced to yeah. her. You didn't someone just, introduced just her. Yeah, yeah, someone introduced her to me. It was my music teacher. Yeah. Shout out, Mr. Jules. Yeah, <laughs> you, that's a you solid. You did so much for me. <laughs> that's honestly a solid from a music teacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just assign the the curriculum mm-hmm. but to encourage students to mm. develop their own sound and find influences that can Absolutely. help them hone in, hone in on that sound so yeah, he was really great actually he had this whole thing where he would be like he would find a student who had you know find their taste in music and then be like okay that's your taste that's the world you're living in right now i'm yeah. just gonna introduce something that's similar but will just sort of push you out of that world a little bit and sort of eventually kind of get us all listening to like the craziest shit that also <laughs> requires that he had a huge repertoire too oh absolutely for yeah. i mean i'm sure that the kids at the school were all exploring different mm. sounds too. So he has to have a reference mm. mm-hmm. artist for mm-hmm. all of those different styles. That's really impressive. Yeah. And he was also like, he said this thing to me that was like super important. Actually, he was like, don't listen to the, like listen to the artists you love, but also listen to the the music that they love. Yeah. And, and like go back, you know, go back in centuries, you know, like yeah. really, really, um, use the internet <laughs> and like that's a really good experiment yeah, yeah yeah i think it's i think that's really great and and then you listen to what influenced your favorite artists and you're like oh my god this 15th century choir shit is my jam like it's i don't know yeah but i i have so much to say about Bjork that i don't want to do okay vespertine is an album that um Okay, so I don't know how, how big Bjork fans are out there, but like it's like her quiet album. She like always talked about it as like her inner world and like I love all the sounds. The micro beats are just incredible. Um uh and especially like all the use of the harp and it just I there's something about the way that she shapes albums, which is like she figures out the emotions and the stories that she wants to tell. And then she like puts together this whole sound palette. That's like precisely will tell that story the best way possible. She just serves the songs. She serves the album so well. She thinks, you know, I just, uh, it's, I want to, 
when I grow up, I want to be able to write albums like Björk. But I also don't want to sound like Björk. So it's like a huge push and pull for me because I get compared to her a lot. You compare me to her as well. It's fine. I mean, it's great. It's flattering, but she's like one of the biggest geniuses of our time. How can she not be influential in like all pop music right now and folk music as well? But um, also, I I also want to carve my own path and 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 be true to what I'm doing so it's it's a struggle (laughs) but um yeah I just think if there's one thing I can I've always loved about Björk is that it sounds like she's singing these or not just singing it's like all the melodies that she uses have just come from this like ancient sort of and it's kind of in the way that I was talking about how the melodies that appeal to me are you know in the Aphex Twin track it's it's all from this like really ancient time like if I would describe it as like folk music but it's not like folk as we know folk now it's yeah. like a very sort of ancient sort of like um uh like medieval well not even medieval like more ancient than that right <laughs> how I do mean, I explain it yeah, I mean, it's the song is pagan poetry you have to I mean that far yes back. pagan poetry yeah. yes thank you oh my god I right. should have just referenced the name <laughs> but yeah. yeah yeah and and the harp stuff really just as well it's yeah. i mean i love a lot of harp music john yeah. newsome and yeah that that stuff's really influencing me at the moment i love a harp <laughs> it's like one of my dreams i want a harp <laughs> that's a again perfect send-up to the fact that we're going to listen to a joanna newsome song oh is this is that really the next one yeah oh my god i didn't even know that that's so right. cool. the song that we're about to play for you is actually 17 minutes long but and yes you should obviously go seek out the full 17 minute version we're going to play you but a small part Mm. um and the song is called only skin oh god i'm in the threshing song and you the night is over hold on hold on hold your horses back from the some business out at the edge of town candy weighing both of my pockets down till i can hardly stay afloat from the weight of them and knowing how the common folk condemn what it is i do to you to keep you warm being a woman being a woman but always up the Oh. 
Again, that is a 17 minute long song, and it is pretty much a full 17 minutes of <clears throat> nothing gets repeated. Mm-hmm. Every, nothing is easy or simple about any part of this song. It's an incredible achievement. She just sings, and there's so many lyrics. It's wild. I think it's the longest song in the album, but that whole record is only five songs. It's called Eves. It is maybe my favorite record ever written. I have the vinyl at home and it's like a storybook. It's like got this beautiful like Renaissance style painting right. of her and on the I've front the cover, with all this like yeah. symbolism that I know probably means something that's like related to the songs. And then you open it, it's like a booklet and it has all these like old sort of, um, you know, like Grimm's fairy tales yeah. type illustrations and it's got the lyrics and they're like actual Grimm's fairy tales like they're Hmm. just they're just all just such beautifully like they're like half poetry half stories like the the monkey and the bear one's so good I highly recommend looking um up this album it's just probably one of the best albums written but yeah I have so much to say about her but like it's just hard to explain you just sort of have to listen to it I guess um, but once again, in common with all the other people that I also like, it has this feeling, right? Yeah. And it's this tone. And I think once I really looked at all of these songs that I'd chosen, I was like, holy shit, I really make sense to me now. <laughs> it didn't, it, it wasn't clear to you before. I mean, you don't always take stock of your influences in such mm. a structured way, but. I, mm, I would like to think that it's not just that these people influence me, but actually I think a lot of it is the fact, I think actually a lot of the, these, well, a few artists that I know of, I think also went to the Steiner school system, which is uh, okay. a school system I went to, which yeah. is like, I don't, did I tell you about this? No. Book? Okay. So, um, Steiner or like maybe sometimes people call it Waldorf. Oh, the Waldorf. I, yeah, yes. I'm more familiar yeah. with that name. So it's like yeah. Rudolf Steiner or Waldorf. It's an untraditional schooling system. Yes. Yeah. And it's very creative and like very much focused. It's got this kind of similar feel of like um, quite like old sort of, <laughs> we, we have a like St. Mikhail and the dragon like <laughs> plays and like there's little dwarves and they're banging hammers. Yeah. 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 It's very like forging golden swords and right. like everyone runs around in rainbow cloths and like you do form drawing, which right. I mean, it's just drawing. It's like it's a class where you draw forms. I don't know. Yeah. Form um, drawing. Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds to me like there is this just judging by the the artwork that you talked about yeah. and listening to Joanna Newsom or, or Bjork and the themes that they're exploring and just the, the, it sounds mystical. Yes. It sounds like there is, um, it's uh, from another mm. more enchanting sort of place than, than yeah. this. Yeah, I, I think that definitely um, growing up in the schooling that I did, was like being in that enchanted place for yeah. a prolonged period. Like yeah. you really don't, I think all, all the people I know from Steiner school, we have this sort of like 
weird like naivety about us and it's just that we weren't really, like you're not really exposed to very much technology yeah. in these schools and it's everything sort of wooden and like um <laughs> you you sort of stories were like a huge part of of that like we we all like um told stories and there was always like a story you were just um allowed to be a child for yeah. longer and and play for longer and i think that's a huge part of the creativity that I have now and I'm always trying to get back to that and I think the artists um, that that I mostly love are people who help me sort of find that place right. again where it's the sort of um, it's a it's a more enchanting right. world than the real world yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe not maybe it's just a, a more theatrical like more um, it's a different lens on the way that emotions feel or in the world the external world penetrates it yeah i mean i think there's a way for artists to be able to access that world while still being mm. while still living everyday life in the everyday world mm -hmm. and um that's a talent that yeah the great ones definitely have achieved so mm. Yeah, for sure. We're only doing songs by like legends on this show today because <laughs> the next song is called Flow. It's by Philip Glass. I only listen to legends, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, like I said, only only legends on this episode. <laughs> um, that was 
from uh, Philip Glass's Glassworks album, which is it's super mm. cool. Um, I mean, I feel like Glassworks was such an obvious choice, yeah. but like um, for me, it took me so long to like really love that song. So like, I used to I was like so addicted to like that cinematic piano uh-huh. <laughs> whole thing it's when addic- I was like, it is addictive. Yeah, yeah but like, I had sound. to like divorce myself from that because I actually think that a lot of stuff in that genre is actually a bit poor taste but philip glass is an (laughs) exception um i used to listen to um that the first song on that cd Mm -hmm. like i say cd oh god i'm so old but like when i was like a teenager or whatever cds were like my main way of listening to things um and the first song i would always listen to but like the second one which is flow yeah i actually like always used to like like I couldn't listen to that one. It was just like so terrifyingly, like it was so dynamic compared to the first one, which is like a soft piano sort of one. It has the same sort of poly, what's the word for it? Poly, yeah, poly, um, polyphony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Polyphonic yeah. style. <clears throat> um, yes, I am a musician. <laughs> um, um, so it had the same um, polyphony, but it was just in a really quiet piano. And I actually play that piece on the piano quite frequently it's a good warm-up but um I wouldn't I could just could never listen to the second one because it would just come in this blast of like really I've learned to like actually start to embrace sounds that are not always like uh, like pretty piano you know yeah. like and it and it took me a long time to realize the benefits of sounds that are like I think that those Look. ones are clarinets right or um it could be. I think I think they're clarinets um, and maybe some other kinds of woodwinds. Right. Um, There's yeah no it's a. And they have this sort of like nasal sound right. that I used to find really awful, but it's like a little now bit now I like love it. Like I've completely my whole tune on clarinets is really cha- like <laughs> this sort of style of like oh actually something else I there's something about specifically Philip Glass and like a lot of the minimalists Steve Reich and ugh, you know you know, the yes. list, um, that is just like so overwhelming. And mm. I think for the, when I, when I really started listening to uh, uh, this sort of stuff by him, um, and Koya Niskatsi and, um, just, it just felt like the manifestation of anxiety or like being super overwhelmed and like just the fucking world, you know, like yeah. it just felt like no one had ever really voiced it the way yeah. that I heard it there. And it, uh, it resonated so much with me. And I think, um, also with Sufjan Stevens, he, he does a lot of that stuff as well. Although he's called a maximalist, which I'm not sure. <laughs> I think the difference is, I guess the minimalists sort of pick like pick apart like one or two mm-hmm. small motifs and they just really go yeah. at those for a long period of time. Yeah. Whereas I think Sufjan Stevens um, does sort of lots and lots of different melodies and right. lots and lots of different motifs all weaving in between one. But weirdly, it like sounds like quite similar in the in the sense of overwhelming polyphony or overwhelming like contrasting rhythms and you know I uh something about it just really speaks to my clearly I have a lot of voices (laughs) in my head (laughs) well not really but you know like I have a lot I'm always thinking there's always shit going on in my head and also like feeling wise very emotional so it really uh resonated with that kind of um sort of hectic anxiety and like overwhelmingness of everything. Um, and I, and, and I've really started trying to like convey that in my music. I mean, I think it was always there, but started really becoming conscious of that something that 
I think you even described my music, didn't you, as like something with lots of different layers. Yeah. And I think I think it it doesn't come from then those artists necessarily, but I think um, I similar to those artists, I guess I I also have this attraction towards that sort of um, emotional upheaval. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In what circles is Sufjan Stevens' music called maximal? I I heard it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think I think I read a lot, I've read quite a few like reviews of his work. Okay. I I think I read a lot of reviews of his Age of Arts um, album because that was like one of my favorites, and it was like not as well critically received, mm-hmm. and I was so mad about it because <laughs> I was like, this is one of his finest works. <laughs> but maybe it was because I saw that one live, so. Yeah. That, that for you. me like really resonated. Yeah. I'm sorry. Am I talking too much about Sufjan Stevens now? But is that well, the next one? We're right? about to listen yeah. to a Sufjan Stevens <laughs> song. Um, this song is called The Predatory Wasp of the Palisades is out to get us.
Yeah, if you didn't already know, that song is from um, Come On, Feel the Illinois. I I was I was saying before about how Sufjan really um, had like similar sort of chaos um, melodically to um, uh, uh, Philip Glass. Um, for for me, this song really illustrates, especially as because it, it starts with like not as many layers, and then it like adds one, and then it adds another, and then by the end, it's just this like cacophony yeah. of like just brilliant like, and and all the instrumentation is just doing these beautiful like classical flourishes. It's exactly. just it's really. Um, I, I must have internalized a lot of that because um, I write a, some like film scores um, and I definitely could like recognize some of his style like in or like maybe Philip Glass as well right. um, in, in the way I was layering my my strings and clarinets. Yeah, as I say, it was really, really warmed to the clarinet <laughs> lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Sophia, I know he has this sort of image of like I, I'm I'm not as much a fan of his um, more like folksy right. Americana kind of banjo right, exactly. stuff. Um, um, uh, like his new album isn't really my cup of tea. I'm definitely more of like the abstract <laughs> Sophia yeah <laughs> follower, <laughs> like BQE and Age of Arts, um, hugely influential on me. I I didn't. Like I said, I, I mean, I've definitely heard this album a couple of times, but it didn't click for me that his orchestral and his dense arrangements didn't click for me until we listened to the Philip Glass song mm. right before this one. Mm. And then I definitely heard the, the connection. But otherwise, it would have just you know, honestly flown past me. I was honestly like not sure whether I should include both songs because I was like, yeah. oh, are they too similar? <laughs> like, yeah. um, uh, am I doing too many like polyphony ones? Right. But, but then like it made so much sense to dissect that and and to see that I'm I'm pretty sure that he was influenced exactly. by Philip Glass and exactly. I and this is exactly what my music teacher was saying right. hearkening back to that one <laughs> that um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that like he was saying listen to your your art, your, your favorite artist's influences and exactly. it's 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 just so there you know I don't know it's cool. I think that's one of the more instructive musical moments that we've had mm. on the show so far. Mm. So I appreciate the fact that we put both of them side by side. Yeah, I love deconstructing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, but also like I don't want to group, you know, artists like Kate Bush, yeah, Joan Newsom, Bjork, all get kind of grouped in this like a monolithic uh, female like vocalist with weird voices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I really think it's so much more. It's really they're so different. It's like, very to me, lazy just, to do it that way. They're exactly, yeah. and they're really different to me. Like yeah. I could never listen to them side by side. Uh, I mean, I guess this podcast played them, <laughs> but you know, we like talked in between and like right, deconstructed right. them, but like, I really find it offensive. Like if you do those Spotify playlists and you're like listening to a Kate Bush song and then like a Bjork song comes on, it's like so jarring because yeah. they're so different to me and like completely different eras and completely different. I don't know. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Did I just contradict myself? Wasn't I like, oh, they've got these similar ancient things. Well, so I don't know. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that it's, it's possible that they deal with similar ideas yeah. and are trying to navigate through similar mm. feelings. Mm. Um, but mm. it doesn't mean that their music is the same. Yeah, I mean the human experience, right? Like yeah. all, That's all what artists trying to are, do. are trying to do that, I right. guess, yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to your next song. It's by Cocteau Twins and... It's another artist where yeah, Elizabeth Fraser's voice is another one of these voices that people will lazily clump in and say, oh, it's another one of those. But we will hear this song. It's called Bluebell Knoll, Bluebell Knoll and we'll talk about it. 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have tons to talk about on this one. Yeah. Um, just because it feels like I've just known this music right. for like my whole life. Because yeah. my, my parents um, played a lot of um, Cocktail Twins when okay. I was growing up. Yeah. Um, my mom's from the UK. Yeah. Like, wait, they're from the UK, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so um, I just heard a lot of those sorts of bands like the Smiths and yeah the cure and stuff yeah um so that that whole sound was like a huge part of my upbringing musically yeah um and and elizabeth fraser i just always remembering she just had the most magical voice um and just like it was there was something about it that was and i loved that she didn't use like words always mm-hmm. well she used words but like not <laughs> not like existing words uh, <laughs> like, it is one yeah? of those amazing um just music jokes mm. to try and have you ever looked up the lyrics no. to a particular Cocteau Twin songs? I haven't bothered. People's, I... people's best <laughs> estimates of the lyrics are hilarious. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, should, I should probably do that, but I, yeah. I take my Cocteau Twins very seriously. All right. Well, uh, then maybe don't because it's, it gets, it gets into pretty jokey territory, I mean, but I love the fact that it is indecipherable but it's still English. Mm. Um, presumably, it's still English. Um, I don't think it is. So she, so there's, uh, I think she, there's interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm big cocktail. Yeah. Um, so she, I think she was saying there were these glossolalia. Oh, right. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, glossolalia, yeah. which I think is for like words, for like a, a made up language mm-hmm. that just like has things that just like, the consonants and the vowels right. just like, like sound Sigur great Rose together. Sigur made a couple of albums in their made-up Hopelandic Oh, language. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Icelandic is a beautiful language. If I spoke right. Icelandic, I would... Mo- I, if I spoke Iceland, yeah. <laughs> if I spoke Iceland, I would definitely be singing the net. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, I, I just think it's great to prioritize um, the, the feeling and right. the, and the sort of swooping melodies that she does, yeah. um, over sort of being constricted by words. Exactly. And for a long time, actually, like I, well, actually I still do. I definitely write like the melodies with my voice before I even start putting words to it. Yeah. And like, if I can't find a word, I'm just going to pretend that's a word. Like yep. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do that. The only, I actually think, um, the first time I really started thinking about lyrics as like actually important was when I started listening to, um, Joanna Newsom's Ease album, mm-hmm. because that had like really, really specific, like you could tell just every word was so deliberate and like she had thought about it for a long time. It was like poetry. Yeah. But, but on the other side of the spectrum is this Cocteau twins, sort of Elizabeth Fraser style where she's sort of, she don't really, she don't care about that kind of thing. I mean, right. I'm sure she cares about the sounds of the words. Exactly. But she's not like stuck in a narrative or like trying to create poetry. Right. Necessarily, I don't think. Yeah. I'm always curious about, okay, people who haven't really written songs, I think will ask, what do you write first, the lyrics or the music? It doesn't really work like that. <laughs> people always ask me that question. Yeah. I'm like, what? It doesn't work like that. Like, um, I don't know how I do it, man. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so that technique, or if I could call it a technique of mm. just service, like singing in service of the song mm. rather than mm. um, singing to tell, to singing um, lyrics because they're like words on a page, you mm. know, it's sometimes not as important. I think that that the worst thing you can do is um, 
to uh, f- forget the original intention of the song right. because you can't find the right word or right. vice versa. You know, I just think um, that everything should be to serve to serve the original yeah. like, like idea. And <clears throat> once you create a beautiful song that has a bunch of vocal parts that aren't really words, you can see all of your fans try to sing those non-words. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> so... I totally sing along to yeah. like their cocktail twins. I'm, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love the part where she's like, <laughs> it just sounds like she's giggling, like musically. Like, I don't even know. How, ugh, it's it it's really my mind. well done. She can create like a laugh, like a, like a sung laugh. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great two words put together. A yeah. sung laugh. Yeah. That's one, that one's worth writing down. So we're about to listen to another one of your songs. Oh. And this is an unreleased demo from your upcoming album. It's called Crushed. So yeah, that song was called Crushed, and we've gotten a preview of it. It's certainly not finished, but we have an idea of what it'll sound like, and I guess the new sort of the new sound that you're that you're going for. Yeah. Um, so this song, um, it's you know how we were talking about my writing process just before. Yeah. This is literally like a distilled 
like moment of my writing process because you could probably hear there were no <laughs> lyrics. I was like, ah. <laughs> so that's that's how it sounds yeah. when I haven't written lyrics. Um, but but it's all there, you know. The the bones are there, like the sounds um, are there. T- I, s- I spent a long time on like trying to get the sounds really good. Um, I mean, it hasn't been mixed yet, but it's um, been produced to yeah. to like as much as it can be at this stage um and i just need to record some live harp actually because that's like a midi harp and i'm always like sad when i hear it but like for for me this was really the first moment that i started working really in depth with automation okay. um i'm getting geeky on this shit now yeah. but um in, in uh, what in what way do you mean you're getting so, really into automation uh, so automation is when you can um, map out like um, swells or like any sorts of changes over time. Changes over, t- yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lot better at describing this. Um, so I would assign it to lots of different effects or lots of different things. Like volume automation is like hugely important and actually like really was a huge part of crafting this song as well as. Um, I, I mapped like a distortion and there's like, if you can hear, there's like a tremolo kind of effect. And so I've, I was mapping a lot of the automation of um, the tremolo amount and then like how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. So like at the end, it's really evident and it's like kind of panning itself. And yeah, I did a lot of panning automation. Reverb throws is like my newest, <laughs> like I, I actually feel like I'm overdoing it now. And like this, <laughs> this album that I'm working on at the moment, cause I'm just like, yeah, just add a reverb throw, man. And <laughs> a, a reverb throw, weapon. you know, it's like when it's like, like suddenly there's all this reverb yeah. and like, it's a huge, like cavernous reverb that kind of, it, it twists the sound so much that it almost sounds like a whole new sound has come yeah, in, yeah. but actually it's just all the sounds have been thrown into this huge space. Um, and then like just quickly ducking them back out yeah, exactly, and it just yeah. has this like huge impact. I didn't, I didn't know there was a name for that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I, I'm just calling them reverb okay. throws. <laughs> I'm fucking guessing on here, yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's, um, it's, it's definitely been one of my favorite things to really realize that you can just get so detailed on it. Um, and, and sort of pull apart, um, just things that I would normally not bother with and and now I'm really starting to get more detailed on it the thing I think I've learned since my last album is like just spending so much time on things Mm -hmm. like just spending more time and just like being more meticulous can can actually just lift the level so much right um but also like I don't want it to get in the way of the song so like it's a fine balance at the moment the song it's like at, at that point where it's like, if I did anything else, I think it would be overkill. So it's, yeah. it's sort of working with that. How, how do you, how do you balance the, the desire to work very deep on one song or just continuing to start more songs? So you feel like you're exploring your full range of possibilities. Well, I or I I always have like several songs on the go. Right. Like right. I'm never like just working on one. So there's definitely going to be some left on on the cutting room floor, right? Like. Oh, as yeah. Well, it's funny. A lot of I hear all these artists being like, "Yeah, I just write like hundreds of songs, and then I pick like <laughs> eight for my album." And yeah, I'm like, yeah. "How? <laughs> it takes me so long." Right, right. Like I, I generally will be like. Uh, if I start a song and it's not sounding good, I'll probably just be like, no, nah, it's not worth it. So I've got lots of like starts of songs, yes. but I'm not going to like commit my time I see what you're to like making a whole song because I'm producing it and everything. So it's, 
it would take so long and then like only at the end being like you know what it's kind of shit like that would just be such a waste of my time like i have to be you know earlier yeah and i actually think that that's something that comes with time as well like i'm nowadays making very snap decisions just being like nope that one's not no i won't bother with that that's not going to be good but then like another thing i'll be like yes that's something and you just kind of get better at like figuring out what what what's really what has potential and what is just like a fucking waste of your time right yeah so i'm it's getting progressively more sweary on here it's <laughs> like <laughs> <I don't, laughs> it's the way it goes you know i'm comfortable now <laughs> yeah okay should we move on to your last song um uh, yeah 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 it's called locker leak oh yeah it's by yeah. holly herndon who lasts Glass lasts. Who lasts? Glass lasts. Who lasts longest? Grass lasts longest. Grass lasts. Be the first of your friends to like Greek yogurt this summer. Our liquor special. Aloe vera. Baked in earth. Wet bar wax. song and I she's the only artist on this list that I had never heard of and you just informed me about her and I'm blown away <laughs> yeah uh she's like a doctor of right. sound so it's right. I met I have a lot of respect for her this just just quickly about that song um I know that it's made up of like sort of commercials um 
and like things that she'd seen. So like be the first of your friends to like Greek yoga. It's, and I just loved the way that she could create music yeah. that had this like quite sterile. It was really futuristic because it's like super sterile. It's from her, I think it's from her second album mm-hmm. um, or like her third album, I think now. I, I'm not sure about how many albums yeah, she's done, but like I think it's been three and, and her third one right now is having a huge moment um, because of it was... Um, uh, she used like AI and that was, it's probably one of the most um, cited cases of someone using AI in their music yeah. um, at this point. And like she created it and she uses a lot of algorithms and sort of really different techniques that you don't usually see in the alternative music scene um, very much or music in general. Um, so she's she's just forging this whole new path, which is really fascinating and really um, using the way that she's, you know, she's very academic, I think. And so she's she's really using some some of her thesis, I guess, yeah, yeah. to like to like do do her music, and I I just love it. Um, for me, that particular song was like a huge aha moment. Um, I don't know if you heard on like Crushed. I was using like samples um, and like panning and like really trying to like capture uh, a sort of like more transient mm-hmm. sound in my previous album and so she yeah I just love the way that she works with samples and algorithms and has this sort of like chaos as I said had that it really it still delivers that sense of chaos but also this like sterile clean cleanliness and like punchiness and yeah it just feels so now you know it's so it's completely music of the future yeah absolutely um in multiple ways and in, mm. in the way in the the composition method and in the way that it sounds, mm. I'm surprised that, yeah, I've, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have to, I have to look into it. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, she's definitely worth looking up, um, her new album. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember what it's, it's called. It's called Proto. Oh, you know, yeah, Proto. Um, yeah, look that up. But actually my favorite album is the second one that that song's off because um, it was kind of like the middle. So like her first album that I heard was, um, oh God, I don't know. What's the first one? Is it Interference or something? Is um, it? The first album is called Movement. Movement, Yeah, Sorry. the second album is called Platform. Okay, so Movement is like super techno. Um, it, I think she was really influenced by Bill and and stuff yeah I'm sorry I'm just like talking about Holly Hearn <laughs> like it's her interview <laughs> yeah. but like um so like and then and then sort of and like a real examination of like pulling apart like deconstructing sound um as a sonic sonic artist was mm-hmm. like her first label was kind of sonic artist yeah and then the second album was was definitely more about um creating pop with with those elements that are still avant-garde and yeah. still really experimental and and then this most recent album i'd say is probably the most like, accessible and has a lot a lot more like humanity in it mm-hmm. strangely c- considering that it's driven it, by ai it was driven there's a lot of ai content yeah. yeah um but for me the sweet spot is like right in the middle right. you know that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else. I don't know much more to say about it. I'm really uninitiated in in what her in, in her work, and um, I think it's kind of an appropriate place to to end up. Yeah, I I, I recommend listening with headphones to her. Like, yeah. Um, and just like kind of letting her break your brain a mm-hmm. little bit. <laughs> I didn't ask very many questions on the show today. I'm, I told you I can talk. I really can talk. <laughs> 
but I do want to ask the same thing that I end the show with for everyone, and that is to ask, what are your goals as an artist, and what can we expect from you in the future? That's like a really hard question for artists, I think, because we have no idea what we're doing most of the time. <laughs> so um, I... I think it's interesting looking at all the songs that I chose today because they're just like this like crazy sense of chaos. Yeah. I've just realized that yeah. they all have this like real chaotic thing going on. Um, so I'm trying, I guess, um, so my goals, um, just like to keep making creative decisions and just be like making music. I think every artist wants that. Like, how could we not? Like, mm -hmm. we're addicted to it, clearly. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> um, so I just, uh, we would really love to be able to reach more people and to, to be able to play shows um, throughout Europe and release this album. <laughs> really got to finish it. It's been quite a long time coming. So for me, that's my short-term yeah. kind of goal is really to finish it. I definitely, I think Crushed will be released this year. Yeah. It would be crazy not to. Um, crushed and maybe another single. Um, I'm not sure whether the whole album will be released this year. Maybe maybe next year. Um, but I mean, in the long term, doesn't everyone just want to make art, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's just my my goal. Um, and then what, what what was the other question? Oh, that was kind of answer the question. Like what oh, okay. people can expect from you. Is, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I have a sh I did a short film score last year that the, sh the film is out. It's called Daniel. Um, and it's been playing at a lot of film festivals. It just played in the this uh, French film festival. I can't remember the name of it. God, this is really helpful. But yeah, uh, hopefully I can release that soundtrack as well. At some point has kind of some Philip Glassy type... Uh, vibes, a lot of clarinet, as I say. <laughs> You've really warmed to the clarinet as, a, as an instrument. Running joke in this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and um, I'm also working uh, on some dance um, scores this year as well um, with my good friend Natalie, um, and we're going to be um, performing at the Tempo Dance Festival um, in New Zealand, in Auckland. Um, or is it Wellington? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, you, you would know. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that, I guess, in September, October, kind of. Cool. Thank you for being on the show. Um, thank you for bringing us through the, these sounds. And I know that we've listened to music from the future. For <laughs> your plus one, we are going to listen to something that is from a couple more years ago. You know, I think there's actually similarities between really, really old music and really futuristic music. Is that, I feel like there's this weird thing. It's like come full circle. Everyone, I mean, think, I think we've been um, bordering on the issue, on, on the topic where all of these artists have been trying to figure out and express the same kind of thing yeah. with the instruments that were available to them at the time. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Holly Herndon with Locker Leak, mm -hmm. with software and with um, today's instruments and Canticles of Ecstasy, Ecstasy by uh, Hildegard von Bingen. Yeah, total um, bridge between <laughs> those two things, between music of the 21st century and music of, well, I think, the, the, 15th? the 15th century. <laughs> All right.
Anyway, thanks again for being on the show. This is the start of Canticles of Ecstasy from Hildegard von Bingen. Thanks for having me.